0: Welcome to the Banyan Edge podcast. Here's your host, Charles Sizemore. Welcome to the Banyan Edge podcast. America's number one source for smarter, safer, more profitable investing. Where We aim to bring you the very best ideas and the very best minds in the business completely filter free. I am your host, Charles Sizemore, and joining me today is Adam O'Dell. Now, Adam, uh, I think you have seen the same headlines I have. It appears that risk is back it seems like it wasn't that long ago that we were just suffering through the 2008 meltdown and you know the Lehman Brothers failure the Bear Stearns failure this cascading you know bank you know bank failure the biggest bank failure in history in in, in WaMu Silicon Valley Bank uh which failed over the weekend is actually the second biggest bank failure in US history So a quick background on that, you know, most people are now aware that there was this bank in California that catered to the tech world. It failed. What happened? In a nutshell, it was a funding mismatch. And this is not the first time. I remember when I was a kid, I lived through the savings and loan crisis. It was uh, the late 80s, early 90s. It really hit Texas hard. Essentially, the bank's assets were long-term in nature, um, predominantly in treasuries and mortgage-backed securities, long-dated ones and their uh, liabilities were short-term, their liabilities being deposits. And so what happened was the bank took a bath on their treasury holdings. As you guys know, of course, bonds really got hit last year when interest rates rose. That's that's what zinged the bank. It, it, it The bank took really big losses on that. That spooked the depositors who all ran for the door at the same time. The venture capital world is very interconnected. Everybody knows everybody. So when venture capital guy once says, I am getting my money out of the bank now. I'm scared. Then they all they all ran out the door at the same time Uh, that caused the bank to have to try to sell assets to meet deposits that didn't go well. So next thing you know, the bank is technically insolvent. And that's when the FDIC had to step in. Now, where it gets interesting is um, the our our government may not be the the sharpest knives in the drawer, so, so to speak, but they are aware of how bad 2008 was and they don't want a repeat of that anytime soon or ever. So they did uh, create this new facility to try to inject liquidity in the system. So like, if Bank X is whatever fill in the blank bank has the same issue that Silicon Valley Bank did, they have these long-term assets that are now underwater. They can lend them to the Fed at face value, you know, full face value, and get cash to meet their obligations. So. We'll see. I, I thought that might have calmed the market, but it really didn't. Um, as we see today, the market opened down and it's, it's looking pretty rocky out there. Now, Adam, I know that you're, you're a quant guy. I love your model. I was one of your act, the first people to use your model, actually. I've been using it ever since. You, you told me this morning that your model actually was kind of flashing warning signs for some of this. So, like, like, Tell me about that.
1: Yeah, so first of all, I use a trend and momentum model in my Max Profit Alert service, and the financial sector in general has been showing uh, weak momentum for several weeks now. So that was kind of the first clue that the broader sector was potentially in trouble. But uh, also, I'm able to rate individual stocks on a scale from 0 to 100 using a 75-metric rating system that looks at momentum, size, uh, volatility, value, quality, and growth. And uh, I had my lead analyst, Matt Clark, uh, recently run the numbers on some of the ETFs that hold bank stocks. There's one, uh, KBE is the broad bank stock, which holds some of the larger money center banks. But then KRE is the regional bank uh, stock ETF. And in that ETF, there's about 140 individual stocks. uh, And the majority of them rate fairly well on my six-factor rating model uh, fairly well being 70 or above. So the most of the banks uh, on that on those metrics look fairly solid. But it was interesting because you didn't m- mention Silvergate Capital, but Silvergate Capital was also another bank that's basically uh, taken a dirt nap because it uh, catered to the crypto community. And uh, it, Silver Bank basically d- isn't rateable now, but before it collapsed uh, just at the end of February, it rated 4.3 out of 100 on my rating. It's so not sort of- rateable if it's out of business, right? Basically, yes, absolutely. Um, But before it was out of business, um, you know, my model basically predicted that this was one of the uh, most uh, at risk banks Uh, right up there with um, SVB or Silicon Valley Bank, um, SIVB being the ticker symbol, it rates 20 out of 100. Um, so there are about 15 banks, 15 regional banks in that regional banking ETF, KRE, that rate uh, below a 30 on my rating system. And if you look at the year-to-date uh, returns, as well as the returns today, I mean, the, the market's kind of puking its brains out as far as the banking sector today. Um, uh, and basically, you can see- We all went the through
0: 2008. We all know how this went. So uh, this is
1: kind of a case of, you know, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Exactly. And bank runs, uh, they go quickly. Uh, so these risks, the, the point I'm trying to make is these risks are always apparent. They're always there. And my rating system is able to determine that those risks are there. Now, whether people are paying attention to the risks or not is another story. And that's why when the collective attention of the broader market comes on these bank runs all at once, it happens very, very quickly. Uh, people, I were a sure today, people get paranoid all of a sudden and they think that their money's not going to be good at the bank and then they run for it. Now, the good news is the there's going to be some federal backstop well, depositors but um, these banks are going under so the people who have invested in the banks and shares of the banks are going to get wiped out yeah it's funny uh, Yellen came out Janet
0: Yellen uh, the treasury secretary came out and was very emphatic there will be no bailout there will be no bailout you know for, for the banks and that's strictly speaking true you know, the shareholders are wiped out but they they made it also very clear we are backstopping the depositors so it's still creates moral hazard, I suppose, but I guess it is good that they did that or there would be a lot of companies unable to meet payroll this week. So uh, it'll be interesting how this plays out. So, okay, I mentioned kind of what started this whole mess was a mismatch between assets and liabilities. Um, And what, what does that really mean? It really comes down to the Fed. What happened over the last year, of course, is that the Fed has been aggressively raising rates. That is a new regime for pretty much everybody in the business today. We haven't really experienced something like this, really ever. This is actually the fastest rate rate hiking cycle we've ever had, but probably the closest would have been, um, you know, the early '80s when when Volcker was really trying to break inflation. So what happened in this case was. The banks were not prepared for this. They had long-term securities. They weren't expecting the Fed to to jack up, you know, the short end of the yield curve, and that's that's really kind of how they got into this mess. Now, what what are your thoughts here? You know, what what does the Fed do about that? You know, when you have, you know, the Fed is fighting inflation. They're raising rates. They're tightening. You know, they're pulling liquidity out of the system to fight inflation. But we've all kind of feared for a while that that might have some unintended consequences. So, what? How do you? What, what are you seeing here?
1: Yeah, the Fed is truly backed into a corner, um, and people have said this for quite a while because they kept interest rates too long for uh, too low for too long. Uh, the zerp days, the zero interest rate policy days, even when in the meat of the bull market when the economy was humming along, uh, they just kept rates too low for too long, and that means they're behind the curve, and that's why they had to try to play catch up and raise rates. Now, when we talk about Fed, it can get kind of complicated, but I wanna to try to boil it down a little bit more simply. The Fed basically has two goals. They wanna to try to keep the economy from um, being too slow or too hot. And they wanna to try to keep inflation in that kind of Goldilocks level where we get about 2% inflation per year. So they don't want um, you know, declining prices, but they also don't want runaway inflation like we've seen. So they're trying to keep Goldilocks uh, levels for both inflation and the economy. But when you're behind the curve and you show up to the game late, and you only have one tool at your disposal, which is the Fed funds rate, uh, You know where you set interest rates, the target rate, you're kind of backed into a corner. Um, and what I mean by that is to truly tamp down inflation uh, so that inflation doesn't come roaring back in a second or third wave like it did in the 1940s and in the 1970s, to truly do that, the Fed needs to raise rates even more than they already have. They need to get the Fed funds rate above the rate of inflation, and keep it there for some extended period of time so that the market really knows that inflation is going to right. be... You, tamped you down the I mean,
0: as, as much as the Fed has raised rates, we're still technically in, in negative real yields. We right? still it, have like negative it's, real yields. It's still yield. below the rate of
1: inflation. Exactly, which is not going to tamp down inflation. You might get some easing of inflation in year-over-year terms um, in a, in a cyclical way, but if the Fed does not get inflation under control, we will get a second and potentially a third wave of inflation Uh, on a lag here, So really, that's why the Fed needs to keep rates higher for longer. Now, the downside of that is if the Fed keeps rates higher for longer, we've been in a bear market since the beginning of 2020. So we're now going on 15 months. And if the Fed keeps rates too high for too long, it's going to absolutely crush the economy and it's going to worsen the bear market. Um, So when I think of the Fed right now, I think there's a scene from the office and with um, Steve Back in the day, Um, and there's a scene from The Office where uh, they're basically um, Michael Scott and and two others are in a a three way uh, gun match where they're all holding two guns against each other, and I kind of see these players. We're splice that in right now. Yeah, we can we can show the clip and then we'll explain it. I didn't do it. Okay, everybody, just calm down.
0: Count of three, we're all gonna put down our guns. I have crossbows. We'll put down our weaponry on the count of three. Okay. You ready? I'm ready. One, two.
1: Two. So here, basically, the Fed is one of these players. The Fed is trying to kill, so to speak, both inflation and, um, you know, n- and not kill the economy. But if it kills one, then the other is going to kill it. So it's kind of in this conundrum where it can't really satisfy everybody. It's got inflation
0: in one side and unemployment in the other.
1: <laughs> exactly. So you know, everybody's kind of waiting for the Fed to pause or pivot. Now, before all of these banks went under, there was basically a zero percent chance. That the Fed would not raise interest rates at its twenty-second, at its March twenty-second meeting, but once everybody saw these banks starting to go down, the the odds of the Fed actually putting a pause on its interest rate hike regime uh, went up dramatically. So. Really, what that means is traders and bullish investors are now pricing in this idea that the Fed is going to pause or pivot, the pivot being that they will start cutting interest rates to make sure that the bear market doesn't get worse and that the economy doesn't start to slow down too much uh, into the likely recession. Well, but I, if it well, does that, that then inflation is, is going to come roaring yeah, well, back. When the
0: Fed raises rates, what are they doing? You know, they're, they're taking liquidity out of the system. They're making it more difficult to borrow. Well, what also makes it more difficult to borrow is when the bank goes out of business. Exactly. So w- when you have this potential for, you know, we've already had two uh, two major bank failures, and then one failure of a bank-like entity. And in, in uh, what was the other one? The uh, silver Um, You know that if, if that also makes banks less willing to lend because they're concerned about you know having enough cash on hand and meet depositors or whatnot that's going to further tighten, whether the Fed wanted to or not. You know, whatever the rate that the uh, the Fed uh, sets, if the banks are no longer able or willing to lend, that also tightens.
1: So that's that's what the Fed's up against. Absolutely. The Fed is in a no win situation. One way or another or both ways, they are going to lose. And it's going to create um, a basically a bifurcation. Uh, the, 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 the stocks that are going to kill it and the stocks that are going to get killed are going to be basically separated in one group or the other by what the Fed does. Either the Fed uh, keeps rates too high too long and basically kills the economy and puts us into a really bad bear market, or the Fed pivots too soon, kind of saves, makes it a, a weaker a recession, and then inflation is going to come roaring back, if not late this year or early next year. Um, so it's really in a no-win situation but in this i mean what do investors do in this environment well for one you know my green zone rating system shows which stocks are rated 80 or above or 20 and below you want to be buying and holding and and staying uh, invested in the stocks that are 80 or above you know the vast majority of the 14 stocks in my um, green zone fortunes portfolio are rated 80 and above so it's a rock solid portfolio the other thing you want to consider doing is shorting stocks that are rated below 20. And When I say now, short stocks, you don't actually have to about. short shares you and of I stocks. Have about that, you and I have talked about that off and on for we have, uh, we have, and we've talked about, about how the year. fact that you don't actually have to short shares of stock, there's a, a trade you can make much more safely. that can bet on the declining price of a stock. Sure. Now you've you've had this 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 is not new for you. You've been you've been prepared
0: you've been preparing for this for for weeks now. Uh, you have what you call your big short you, you this is your you know you, you you your analogy here is you know back in 2008 when everything blew up this is a, a moment you consider somewhat analogous this is a big short moment where we have the potential to make really good returns on the collapse of a very widely held stock so one thing I've noticed just over the years is that That expensive stocks can stay expensive for a long time, stocks that should be good shorts just somehow manage to defy gravity for, you know, really indefinitely until there's some sort of catalyst that finally, that that straw that breaks the camel's back, it finally gets that short in motion. Is what we're seeing today, is is that that catalyst?
1: I think it could be. I mean, a lot of people are calling this the, the Lehman Brothers moment, uh, You know, again, an, analogizing back to 2008. Um, this bear market, the 2022 bear market that started in the beginning of 2022, has been really slow and steady. There's been kind of a grind down lower in stocks, but we haven't seen that kind of like what I'll call puke your brains out stage of the, of the bear market, which is what we saw in the last quarter of 2008 once Bear Stearns and Lehman Brothers started going under, AIG needed a bailout. So we haven't seen that yet. Um this was one of the longest and strongest bull markets meaning from 2009 to the end of 2021. So to think that after the one of the longest and strongest bull markets we're going to get a really easy bear market it seems like wishful thinking to me. Um this sure. the, the next big short I released a presentation on Valentine's Day, February 14th, um, basically revealing that I believe that Tesla shares are going to reprice dramatically lower. And when I say reprice I'm talking about Valuation here. I don't think that Tesla is going to go out of business. It's not going to stop producing cars. It's still going to have a decent market share. And it's a it's a high growth company. It's a
0: popular but, brand at the end of the day. People do like the
1: cars. It's a cult brand. And that's the one thing working for it and a, you know against a short position. But I really saw the narrative in 2020 and 2021 go in Tesla's favor. Any bit of news that Tesla put out during those years, um, traders and investors were willing to buy the stock at higher and higher um, price-to-earnings multiples. At one point in 2020, the stock was trading at 1,103 times its earnings, which is absolutely insane. Um, But really, I've seen a shift, and I've seen a real big shift in the narrative around Tesla recently. Um, As far back as April of 2022, um, Elon Musk announced his Twitter deal and the stock sold off 37%. Basically, Tesla's investors did not like the idea of the deal. The stock sold off nearly 40%. Well, and, and by the way, way little- what has happened in the meantime,
0: almost all of Elon Musk's precious time has been spent dealing with that acquisition.
1: Exactly. And it's not just the media, but his largest shareholders, his largest Tesla shareholders are writing op-eds in the Wall Street Journal and and whatnot saying like, look, get back to work, focus on the company that is making money. This is such a distraction. Quit being a clown on Twitter with Twitter. Go back to building cars and building the EVs. So um, that was in uh, early 2022. Uh, In the summer of 2022, in August, uh, Tesla announced it was going to split its stock so that its share price would come down by a third and the reason it stated that was so that more retail investors could afford shares of Tesla. And that would be bullish for the stock. But as soon as that stock split was announced and enacted, again, the stock sold off by more than 35%. Um, later in uh, in October, they closed the Twitter deal. He actually made uh, closed the Twitter deal for 44 billion. The stock sold off 57% by that point. And then lastly, the last part of this narrative is that every so often, Elon Musk releases these master plans um, and, you know, basically his vision of the future. And the most recent one was on a March 1st, uh, 2023, about two weeks after I at least my pre- released my presentation on The Next Big Short. And again, usually you would think that news like that, what is the vision of this company ahead? If, you know, if it's good, then investors are going to start buying the stock, seeing what is ahead. Well, the stock has absolutely fallen and and sold off uh, ever since March 1st. Um, So again, I think that this is just the beginning of the losses for Tesla. Um, I'm still welcoming new members into my Max Profit Alert uh, strategy uh, service. We are up more than 60% in less than a month on one of the short Tesla trades. Uh, But I think that this is a trade that can go uh, between 10 and 20x higher uh, as Tesla shares fall lower. So it's not too late to get in.
0: Yeah, I think I think you're onto something, Adam. And and this collapse in Silicon Valley Bank, which has ripple effects throughout tech stocks in general and the investors in tech stocks, I think that I think this this may be that catalyst. So, Adam, um, I'm going to put a link below to uh, where uh where viewers can go to to find out more about this big short, see how they can profit from that as well. Otherwise, I guess it's just time to buckle down and uh, it, sh- it should be a very interesting week. So, time to um, buckle up. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> well, buckle up and put a crash helmet on for that matter. So Adam, thanks for joining me and good luck trading through this week.
1: Thanks, Charles.